I think one of the staples, whether you're an analyst or a manager on a project or a director, one of the key things is being organized. But organization, I think we talk a lot. I mean, here's here's a couple of ideas that, you know, are very popular. So time management, that was probably, you know, a decade or two ago. Then energy management became a big thing. More recently, they're talking about flow management. <laughs> so going a step above because, you know, having lots of energy wasn't enough. Now we need to also, you know, be constantly in the flow. So anyway, I'm I'm making a, a commentary, you know, tongue in cheek. But I, I find it funny. So from the Pomodoro technique, we now have the Flomodoro technique. But all the, these things, I think, are, are you know, very real. And uh, the second stream that you might have been following if you've been in, in this uh, space for a, a while is um, it has to do with going paperless was what I think a decade ago we would have called it. Today, I think we're, you know, even a step further, we're thinking really about those personal management uh, knowledge systems, right? How do you make sense of all this uh, information? And today I wanted to talk a little bit about the the range of solutions. Not, not I'm not going to go over, you know, I, I think this has been done a lot everywhere. <laughs> so you can uh, Google it or, or look it up on YouTube. You know, p- people talk in profusion about these topics. But the discussion I wanted to have is just the role of analog versus digital and finding balance in the system that you create. I think for me, I handle such a, an, a tremendous quantity of information, right? I, in the job that I do, I'm a researcher, so uh, an, an analyst. <laughs> so I consume a lot of information either before writing the requirements in that research phase where we have to understand, you know, what are going to be the requirements. It goes through user research uh, in, in the first step or even secondary research. So that's handling a, a very large load of information. And then you've got also when you're and by the way, when you're writing requirements too, if you're looking for design patterns and things like that, depending on what the output is, right? If you're doing a strategic roadmap, um, if you're doing a, a deliverable, that's that's really focusing on features of a system, de- depending on what you're interfacing too. But there's a lot of research in that too, because you've got to find out, you know, how how is it being done on the market? And it's a huge loss of time to just start from scratch because things have been done again and again. You can certainly learn from from others. So there's one portion of, of the data that you're sort of collecting. And then, of course, there's like the actual data sets that, that you're analyzing if, if you're in the data science um, portion. So sometimes, you know, to, to determine requirements, I'm also handling very large sets of data from clients to try to figure out, you know, like what are the segments, what are the patterns, what are the subgroups we should be designing for, that sort of thing. So it informs the design. But in parallel, there's also my personal life, right, um, which I don't talk too much about here. But you know, I consume a lot of, uh, I'm very curious. I love reading. I consume a lot of podcasts of information. I'm always, you know, reading what's up on, on d- different blogs, internets. I love different types of sources, right, often from around the world. So um, it's a very rich environment, but it's very easy as you're sort of toggling through. And I, I think I've, I'm pretty, you know, fortunate that way. My, my brain is pretty good. I have a quite a good recall actually good retention so I'm able to go back in time and, and pick things up but you know what when it comes down to it, it you never know when a good idea hits you and I think you know that right I mean the classic idea is you know when you're in the shower and, and an idea comes but I think in, in a less cliche way 
you can be out and about. And I think this happens a lot when you're outside uh, of the house. And th- this is the case I'm going to make now for, for how do you capture things and maybe go analog. There's something very disturbing, I find, in being in the middle of a conversation with someone and then they look down and, you know, start like typing something. And you and I know, for example, rationally, oh, yeah, well, it was a good idea and I want to take a note on my on my phone. Um, but not long ago, actually, I, I, um, I was having a coffee with someone and uh, they wanted to do me a favor because they got very enthusiastic and wanting to send me a file. But in the process of doing so, and I think because their, you know, their organizational system was maybe bulky or, you know, by nature of things, you have to navigate through folders and subfolders. And so it just took a really long time. And I was, you know, sitting there in the middle of my sentence and I really was interested in the conversation with them, not so much in the resource. And I appreciated though, right? Like the intent was really nice. They wanted to share something that they thought I was enthusiastic about and they wanted to do it now so they don't forget. Um, but I think it brings a, a question in terms of workflows, right? Uh, and, and we each have our different workflow. And that that's the point of this podcast too, is just to reflect there's going to be things that, you know, ways of dealing that feel really good to you. And that's why you design your system the way you design it. Um, but I think when it meets the real world, we're not alone anymore. We're suddenly surrounded by people. We're, you know, having a nice coffee with someone. We're exchanging with them. And that relationship in that that moment has that extra degree of complexity because I'm no longer, you know, by myself in the office or whatnot and, and having the, let's say, luxury of, of doing, of having all the tools I want in the format and in the time frame that I want, right? So what happens when we go out of kind of like the main use case we designed the system for? So... I think it's it's interesting because, you know, and, and there's a lot of ways to like people use and I use it too. Um, you can use like voice commands to create to do items on lists. Like there, there's a lot of that productivity stuff out there. I think we all know about this. I mean, if you listen to this show, I'm I'm pretty sure you're you're in that same camp, too. And it's important to be efficient. But the 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 view I'm going to offer today is this. I to me, the world is a giant database and the the format encryption in it varies wildly it could be you know traditional data streams like books you know in my bookcase i have physical books at home and we actually over the 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 holidays it was amazing because i moved here after graduating i had that second uh, degree from carnegie mellon and i moved here and all of a sudden you know in in la it's a beautiful place i really love the neighborhood and everything but i i was just setting things up and I didn't realize how many physical books I actually had. And over the holidays, we refurbished the entire, redesigned the entire room just to store things, either physical things for a lot of projects, because I do have quite a lot of hobby and, and artistic endeavors, but also just from the sheer point of, of books. And I love it. They're really categorized. You know, like there's a section for um, our programming and there's a section for jazz piano and there's a section for art and a section for philosophy and history. Like everything is is really sorted and it's a pleasure, right? And I, I will add this too, the, the beauty of, of such bookcases, I think on display is that you have the, the luxury of exploring as well, which I think on our computers is very, uh, it is doable and I think, systems like the Wikipedia linking of ideas is becoming a, more of a thing now. And internet, you know, at its basic with, with hyperlinks uh, allows that. But um, the process of exploration and discovery is really nice when you have all kinds of things. They're tangential, but not quite the same. And they're all laid out 
on that that um, shelf. And I've got entire collections, right? Like some of them spend over like 30 volumes of things. And it's really impressive because I've chosen them very, very carefully, right? Like a lot of the jazz ones are very historic in nature or there's very specific reasons for which these books are on my bookshelf and not others. And the same thing for the the programming or the architecture books. I mean, they're very niche, right? Like the the research starts much earlier and actually often on the internet um, or just chatting with friends before they make it to that shelf. But once they're on that shelf, there is a sense of exploration. And that's a very analog system because I do have catalogs in, in my and lists. I have a lot of lists on my computer, a lot of things bookmarked um, or even things, you know, lists of things maybe that I can purchase in terms of books. Um, and it's great as a repository to go and fetch information. But and, and often I'm confronted with that question. I could buy for almost the same price or often cheaper, the online version or the physical one. And I always end up getting the physical one. I mean, there's a couple that are for faster consumption and, and those are or digital or sometimes for, for certain very particular use case, I'll take digital um, just to access almost like a reference that I that I need um, handy. But most of the time, I prefer having them physically. And that analog version, um, it's harder in terms of search and so on, although I, I do circumvent it. I have systems to, to capture things that I think are interested, and then they become uh, searchable with OCR. But mostly on, on the shelf, it allows you that extra exploration, which I think we is harder with the system. And let's be honest, the way that our systems are displayed, because it's everything looks so uniform, right? Like if you're looking at webs of contents or they're linked together, you know, or if you're looking at lists that enumerate one thing after another, or, um, you know, all the, the systems that I can think of right now on the internet, they make everything so polished and uniform. You miss that. You miss that little ruggedy <laughs> touch that little imperfection that little difference right like this yellow book catches my eye now or this title or there's something about the physicality there's something about that physicality and it actually helps with retention too i'll say it's not just it arouses your sense to look into things and to think creatively so that you reach out for this book or that book at that moment you also by engaging with it i think and that might be because i'm a you know, I'm a tactile person, I'm a person of the senses. So I actually remember, you know, that this information was displayed like this on this page and it was on the top right. And I remember when I, you know, physically felt the book, like there's a really relationship to me that I can't have in the digital world. And that actually helps me retain, which also brings me to say, I'm not backing everything up in, in some kind of computer system precisely because, you know, my memory's actually working pretty fine. And that is what I, I would invite you in terms of reflection. We live in an era where we're more and more enticed to use all of those, you know, optical recognition technologies and all of those. I think Evernote made a whole business model around it. And now my mind, which was the latest tool that I tried, was essentially that, but on top of that had had added AI. And um, I, I can talk a little bit about my experience. I actually would not recommend, at least not in the beta phase that it is right now. But it's interesting because the the incentive is certainly there, you know. And let's also be frank: the 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 hassle, the the most annoying part in those processes. I think the ends of them have really been optimized, and they're really pleasurable, right? Everyone loves the capture stage. You just <laughs> pull out your phone and you you know, snap a picture and there it is. It's going into your, you know, your new system on your computer. 
And the same thing to retrieve it, you know, you open something, you enter something in a search field, and it just pops. It's it's magical. Those two extremes are the parts we love about Berliner or systems, right? The part in the middle, I think, is the one that annoys everyone and the one that makes or breaks your system in a way. And that is that that phase where you're organizing the information. A lot of tools, you know, in the past, in the early versions, like Evernote, like I was mentioning, did this that that was the promise right they said you don't have to put tags anymore i mean you could but you don't have to you don't have to label things you can just dump things essentially you can just put them there in the system and when you'll search we'll search for it and with added abilities like optical re recognition we can actually look even your handwritten notes so that was a great great pace forward right it means i don't have to think about it i don't have to worry about it i just capture it and i'll deal with it later to some degree, I think this is a very viable thing, right? It, it, it does make it. And in the job I had at the time, actually, I used it um, extensively for my personal notes just because I was exposed to so many trends and so many things. And at the time, I was actually working for an event. It's It's been called the Davos of Creativity, right? I was on that team, the programming um, management team, where I, I was looking at a lot of different trends and coming up with suggestions of who really should speak. And it was extraordinarily interdisciplinary in nature. I had, you know, we had, I think, five different pillars and we had to design it in a way that people from a different industry could learn from crossover inspiration of people who were coming up with really innovative ideas in their own sector. And that's a very difficult mandate. You have a lot of stakeholders, you have a lot of trends going through and being able to know, you know, which one matters or not and remember, oh yeah, in this field, we should talk to this and that person. That's where I think that the search capabilities of a tool like that were actually quite useful for me, right? Because they let me consume a lot, right? I would read, you know, extensively everything and I would capture it and I hadn't been exposed, but there's no way you could retrieve it. There's, you know, when you're doing programming, it's even um, content programming for, for events like this. It's it's a layer down even <laughs> where you have to think of all those different constraints, like the ratio of men to women or you know there's there's all kinds of things and it's too much of a decision um tree in your head to possibly be able to triage through that so having that physical system for me was really helpful but i'd say in in general in my life now you know and as a an analyst and a researcher that doesn't have to look at that kind of thing it's it's much more focused in terms of research the quality of my work depends a lot on my organizational skills and on, I think, the discernment of what should go in and not. Because the the true ability to really link ideas together, to pick what really should be in that system, that's the, the decision, the, the, the difference. Capturing is really easy, but then you get an entire pile of ideas or things that you can't really, you can search, but search is very limited. And I'll say, although I, I do like AI um, for, for a lot of things, the applications that I was able to do, sometimes they actually weren't as great as my brain <laughs> to find really interesting links. They're not creative enough, I think, today. They're very good for giving you the obvious things or the factual things, but they weren't that great for the more, you know, inference level, which I think our human brains are great. And maybe, maybe that technology will evolve, especially as we interact with it and maybe teach it or it learns from us. But, you know... It's it makes a difference in the quality of, of your thinking. If if you're gonna, you know, 
externalize some of these things and organize them anyway <laughs> you know and have access to your own information i think you should be doing it thoughtfully and the more you capture stuff all around the more work you're generating for yourself so i think one just in terms of workloads you know um not not the ideal scenario and two i really really invite you to think of the use case because again in the retrieving phase if you trust the system to retrieve it you know using a simple keyword I mean, you're putting a lot of faith in that system. Maybe it's well-placed face. Maybe what you're doing, if it's something very traditional, like the examples I gave, for example, for programming, where, you know, you have those data sets and you just want to find a function, that's very factual, very objective, very simple for a system to do. But if you're looking at something much more complex, like I do mixed methods research, and I right now deal with chronic um, disease patients, right? And I might want to find certain relationships between things and if I don't organize things well <laughs> when I have them, I'm floating in a sea of things. There's no single word or keyword I can put. The computer can't understand, you know, like the type of query I do is very sophisticated and it's not it's not as simple as just, oh, find me this, this keyword and all the, the documents. And it's not just a semantics thing. It's really a thing about understanding how things fit together. I think that the tool that you're putting things in, first of all, is a support for you. It's not a replacement for your thinking, right? And and that's a very personal take because a, a lot of people, I think, you know, may be using it in a way that works for them in, in that capacity. But for me, I do the thinking and this is the criteria that determines what goes or not into something that I'll back, you know, into a system um, that I'll take the time to actually sort and have a folder for or, you know, have an entry for in, in a system, given system. The criteria is this. It's if when I read it or heard it or whatnot, it appeared to me relevant, right? If it sparked a thought, right, that I linked it to something that I knew in my head and I thought, hmm, th you know, this th this idea sparks many others and I, I see it modifying maybe how I'm, I'm perceiving this topic or I want to contrast it to this and that idea. That's when I put it in a system. And I, I, I see it almost like a hypothesis testing. I have the thought first, and it is an original human thought. It is not just, you know, putting things and expecting the computer to find the relationships for me. It it stems from the fact that I had a piece of reflection. I thought it was worth, you know, it made an impact in my mental model, made an impact in how I'm thinking about the problem or the ramifications of the work I'm doing. And I'm then I'm introducing it and archiving it because that's, to me, worth the extra work, right? Because it's a relevant enough idea that it changed something for me in what I'm doing and therefore might be worth archiving. And even then, not necessarily, but it could if, if it's a big enough piece. And that becomes the criteria because then, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to go with this, when you're opening your system and you see tons and tons and tons of, of notes, right? Um, whether it's a list format or whatever format you're using, right? You can be scrolling or, you know, clicking around for hours I mean, just think of Wikipedia, right? If And there is a sort of hierarchy and structure, but generally speaking, even with all of that, I mean, I wouldn't want to have a system like Wikipedia in that scale, right? It's, it's exhaustive and exhausting. <laughs> it has so much detail that it, it kind of crowds the view. You can't really at a, at a glance get the gist of, huh, this is the meaningful stuff I, I want to connect. And I think... That's the beginner between uh, the the difference. Sorry, between a beginner and someone who is maybe a little bit more senior, 
it's that capacity to to distinguish that noise versus that signal as they say but more you know less cliche let's just say it's that you understand the relevance of what you're standing in front of right like is this worth my time is this worth the the space in my system and the the extra work is going to take to archive it is it worth even to clutter my thinking with that because some things are details and some things are not and i agree i agree that sometimes in the the journey as you become more advanced in certain things you might then realize that certain things that you dismissed as unimportant take on a significance in the field that you hadn't realized but that happens you know maybe two percent of the time and i'm being generous right most of the time actually you know you're a smart person, you come across a piece of info or data and you know if it's relevant or not. And you've got a good instinctual sense of that. And so I say use that sense and make systems that are light, which is probably the exact opposite of what the entire industry is doing right now because people have this obsession of capturing absolutely everything and you know that'll generate sense. But I think you also can just end up with a collection of things and be overwhelmed by them, right? And you can just spend time bouncing around things without really, you know, getting any insights from it. I think too much detail kills it. It's like not enough. And so that's that's where I would say think of purpose, think of the use case, be very intentional. At least that's how I do it. And so the things that end up making it into my system, like I think really in a, in a horizon, like will this be useful for me in 10, 20 years? That's the kind of horizon I'm thinking about because if it's, Unless I'm doing a very specific task, you know, for a client and I actually need to dig in and those details really matter for that file. But generally speaking, if, you know, if you're going to go around your life documenting things, I mean, you've, you've got a life. You've got to go out, see people, do things. You don't want to be consumed by a system that just takes too long. I'll get back to this question of digital and analog, which is our, our main thread here, but I, I will make a small detour here just to talk about getting things done and how it has evolved over time i think the the concepts are still pivotal and capital in some regards i think they still shape good decision making and if you're using a similar type type of thinking that i think it does help streamline things a lot in terms of the workflow and how you you tackle things at work the the <laughs> there's a couple of things here that are pitfalls right again one of them is just the referencing part was almost glossed over by by David Allen, I think, in the past. And to me, that's quite funny because it's actually the central discussion we've been having, you know, on this podcast for, for the past 20 minutes. The, the process is very, you know, much action-oriented. And I think a lot of jobs like analysis depends on a whole body of knowledge that is accumulated through time. You, I think the good analyst and the good researcher, actually, for that matter, of course, they will look at data, you know, punctually for that mended that they're they're dealing with. But, and I think it's the same for decision makers in general. Of course, they will, you know, analyze the data set for whatever decision they're about to make right now with their 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 company. But that decision actually was informed by things they've been collecting for you know, weeks and months and maybe years of experience. It's not, you don't wake up one morning in a silo and start learning everything. And I think, and you also carry things over from one project to another. You keep learning, you keep developing your your understanding of things. Um, if you're doing, for example, research with, with actual human beings, you just by the sheer contact of them, the more interviews you, you do, the more patterns you're starting to see. 
if you're an analyst more on the you know technical side again maybe you've seen a lot of been exposed to a lot of technical solutions or features or, or issues with customers maybe you've you've just accumulated a lot of information maybe on, on in ter- terms of like the market and what the needs are and so to me that archival thing which was almost a detail in gtd if i were to graphically represent i would give it so much weight so much weight because these jobs are actually the i think the reverse of what most jobs are in in today's society a lot of jobs it's it's absolutely true right the archival is a very small portion of it and most of the job is about the incoming decisions and what you're doing and how you're implementing them but in research and in sometimes analysts work i would say the um, the core of the job is actually spending time you know you're hanging out with that data and that information and you're spending time in that analysis stage which is basically reference documents you're you're spending time with so in that regard i would say that the focus is very bizarre to me and I, i think it leaves a gap in terms of the methodology it's not detailed enough for me right which is why i've designed more in-depth systems to to address that but the the framework conceptually i think still works the the second thing is where i sort of disagree and i think this is maybe you know agile speaking in some some way shape or form here the gtd system their whole premise is you know a, a, an idea in your head is is something you know it's your idea your head is not made to keep ideas in it how is the saying going they're they're better they're better like out of your head right the end goal is not to keep them in it's just to put them on paper and forget about it and have a system that takes care of it so that the tasks do get done and that sounds really great in theory but let me tell you i've been on projects and this this was even more true when i was in um in a scrum master type of position in a product owner position right uh <laughs> and the product owner is just a completely different beast. I think as analysts you still have time to think, but it, it's not as, you know, action oriented. It's a lot of thinking. Um but some some jobs it's it, so much happens on the job. You just don't have time to sit there and make a decision tree and you know like it's and document because that's the annoying thing in the system. You know, not all things can be done under 2 minutes. So the second it's not something that can be done in 2 minutes, you start having to put in a system label it correctly you know create the task and and started through a flow of of stages and monitor everything and reprioritize as as um uncertain things come and pop up there's an overhead to managing things and th- i was very very sold at first to gtd just because the nature of the the work i was doing allowed it but i think you have to put it into context and really think again of the trade off that system is a system to be managed and so is it worth the overhead and that's where i personally draw the line i don't implement gtd at a very detail level for every single thing that comes in in fact most of the days in my work are very fluid specifically because i i know my my main goals i know my target my goal i know what i'm working towards it doesn't make sense to start listing every single subtask and tracking it like it's so light in my head and i think i'm fortunate in in this moment that the my boss is extraordinary she's dispatching things but in a very digestible way where i don't have 50 priorities at the same time i don't have that situation where i really need to track i mean i know i know where i'm at cuz i'm only doing this one task and of course there's a couple of things in parallel always and you get interruptions but it's not really there's not really a case for me to start 
putting hours towards dot minutes or whatever amount of time, but you know, for that overhead of tracking things. So I think be judicious for me that that system is still good and it's good in, in actually two situations. It's good when I'm doing tasks, projects that are extremely long-term, you know, almost like back burner projects. Like I have to start them. I have to do certain tasks, but then, you know, the, the ball's not in my court anymore. So I'm delegating to someone or sending it to a client or someone or a team member. So they're reviewing it. It's out of my court. I wait for a bit. It'll come back maybe next month after some kind of executive board meeting or something. So those kind of scenarios are worth putting into a system like OmniFocus or whatever it is you're using because I, it's just harder to remember and keep track. I know that if I wait, you know, three weeks and fall back on my document, it broke my flow, right? I'm, I'm just in a completely different universe in terms of tasks. I'm thinking about other things. So it's great to have a refresher like, hey, here's this thing I sent out. Here's what I was thinking about at the time. Here's the next step. Great. That's actually, I think, prime, prime usage of you know gtd-ish type of things um and and totally worth it and i will use it as a digital thing because it's just easier right you you schedule it you have a deferred date or you have a trigger like when the person responds back to me or context whatever you're you're setting it up to be that makes sense that makes a lot of sense to me the other case that makes a lot of sense is when i do fall in these periods and they always happen right because work is, is cyclical you have those moments where actually you do have a lot of parallel things going on maybe there's like a, an offer that um, you're helping write maybe you're managing a, a service offer i think that's what, what the correct term is um offre de service as we say in french maybe you're <clears throat> you know training new people who are coming on a team maybe in parallel you're delivering you know something for a client but you had another client asking you something else or you have these requirements and something is going live but you're also you know, supervising some some kind of testing or something going on in parallel, like or just the fact that you have multiple clients and everyone needs something right now, right? That happens. That totally happens, and you have to be prepared for it. And that's when a system like GTD is fantastic. You could fall back on it, and that is the the point that I find very amusing because they have almost the opposite thinking, right? They think they say the good system is the one that always runs like this, so you can always fall back on it. To me, this is how I create that line. It's actually saying, no, the default is I don't need this overhead, but it is a system I will fall back on when I do feel, feel overwhelmed. And the value of having gone through like the classic GTD um, journey, I'd say, or process, is that at the beginning, because you're so sold on that Kool-Aid, you do learn it and implement it religiously. I think we all go through there because it's just an amazing discovery, right? And this for me happened like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something it was really a long time ago right um i think i was actually still in my bachelor's degree when i when i stumbled on it. it's it's such old stuff such old but but still the principles and the basics i think permeate time the reflexes that you gain when you do practice it this is a skill which is absolutely amazing to fall back on but it is not a skill that you can do when you're the heat of the fire if you've never learned it before <laughs> using using a system like that of triaging you know and taking decisions and documenting everything and tracking it when you don't have the technical skills and the reflexes and the you know the the forethought in the middle of the, the action to do that and the tool setup and the processes i mean it's going to be a mess this is the last thing you want to do like if you're in a crisis situation 
and you don't have the tools, just deal with it the way you would because this is just going to add another layer of complexity. However, if you did practice it on those more mundane, you know, days where you did have the space to capture things and triage them correctly and it did become a reflex, I think it's a fantastic skill that would follow you your whole life. And that's when I think keeping it digitally is fantastic because, you know, and David Allen does talk about like having that notebook and doing it manually and you can have the inbox being a physical thing in, on your desk. Sure. But for me, what's been great is that system. I mean, because it's, you know, I moved, I moved so many times on different contracts and things like that. And for university, because I went back for that second master's degree, that there's that system follows me everywhere because it's digital and everything is so finely tuned and streamlined because I tried it I tweaked it over time right now it's just perfect and it's just there it's dormant and I can flip a switch when I want and all of a sudden it's like a mini assistant that shows up and helps you <laughs> when you need it that's fabulous I like that and the fact it's electronic that is one case for which I would advocate and I advocate for that too because I see a lot of that analog trend coming in exactly to to you know, fight that. <laughs> and they're putting those things on the desk where they have a little sheet of paper and you write your to-do manually. I mean, I'm not against it, but honestly, let's just talk about this, like this maybe like five, seven years ago. I don't even know. Like, I, th I think it's actually pretty old. There was this app called, I think it was called Tomorrow. That's exactly what it did. It had two pages. On the left hand, you had a list, which is kind of like a to-do and it's called Today. And you can scratch it off when you've done something. And on the right-hand side, it was a list called tomorrow. And whatever you didn't finish today, you had a little arrow and you could just push it to tomorrow. And then the next day, you know, the left side would disappear and would now be populated with the values that were tomorrow. They now appeared on your today list. And you could, again, do the ones that you want and move the other ones for later. Or if preemptively you knew that you didn't have time for all of them that day, you could move things to the right for tomorrow. And eventually, if you finish your list today, you could move back in things to the left so long story short this concept is not new <laughs> and people are so excited about it and they talk about it because it's analog and they like seeing it and feeling it and i question that i'm i'm wondering do they really like the piece of paper on their desk or do they just like the simple simple process of thinking that there's things you're going to do today and there's things you're going to worry about tomorrow and figure out tomorrow because that's what it comes down to and i think that app was spectacular amazing if you're a person sensitive to the environment, it's very annoying to see all of those pieces of paper just being written for what seems like no reason. Um, but I will say I'm the first one to use <laughs> things and write. I write so much, you know, with handwritten. But I do have these Rocket Books, book for, for books, for example. So I stick them in the microwave and the ink disappears and I reuse them. And they, they have flashcards. They have an entire selection you could do this um, with. So you're never really wasting that that paper, right? And in parentheses, like here, I'm not probably teaching you anything. You probably know that, but easy workflow, just take Scannable, take a picture of whatever you've taken as a note, send it to whatever system you have to, to back it like on your computer and then stick the thing in the microwave and it, you have a brand new book all of a sudden and you never have to buy paper. So there's ways around that too, right? But um, so I love the manual aspects. I kind of get it. But, you know, like the, the things that I use mostly at, at some point in time, it was the, the Tomorrow app, which I think is still available on the Apple store. I highly recommend it. I think that's the cool part. It's the ability to not be in a complex system and just, you know, have a couple of items to do today. Um, and the, the other thing that I do, too, is uh, just the browser extension. 
what is it called again? When I come in the morning, I'll, I'll look for it and see if I can uh, put that in, in the, the show notes. But I have this really cool system where the I, I come in and it's a, a, you know, the image changes every day. I think I'm tempted to say they come from Unsplash, but I'm not actually sure. I think they might have their own database thing going on, but beautiful, stunning images. And then it just says good morning or good evening or whatever time you're logging in at. And it gives you, you know, the time and it asks you what's your main focus today and you write it. Um, and then there's a little quote, you know, and they added a to-do list actually on the right-hand side, um, I think a year or two ago, which isn't a bad idea. And that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm tempted to save the moment up, but I have to double check. And so the, um, the thing to me that is quite funny is, and, and you know, they, they do have like countdowns and stuff if, if you're a premium subscri subscriber. But the point is, that's also very minimalistic and simple. And I don't really have to do much. Like I don't need the paper and, and everything like that. It's it's on my screen. It's very relaxing as I come and it feels really good. And then I just enter the focus of my day. And I know that today, like that's what I'm trying to accomplish. And that goes back to that system I was mentioning for getting things done. I don't have to chronicle every little detail of my day. I have that main focus. I set it in the morning. I know that's what I'm trying to accomplish. And if I'm done in the morning, I'll just change it at lunchtime and say, hey, like this is my new focus. So totally flexible. And it just, I don't know, it, it just, to me, accomplishes the exact same purpose as having that piece of paper on the desk. And these solutions are very simple. They take two seconds. They're always in my field of view. And I think that that browser extension is phenomenal because the entire screen is taken by that beautiful picture, which is usually a picture of nature. Like today, it happens to be a beautiful landscape with a lake and um, a mountain with with. Um, there are these clouds <laughs> that are coming in midway and and some great trees, you know, in the foreground. And there's all kinds of colors of the blues and the white and the and the greens. And it's it's in the blue sky. Right. It's spectacular. It's very it's very soothing. It's very calm. And that one focus. So you're not overwhelmed. It's just fantastic. Right. And and that to do list, which which you could decide to do if, if you wanted to. So. What can I say? <laughs> Analog, digital, I think digital can be very relaxing too. And it's the tab takes the entire screen so you're not disturbed by everything else around it, right? All the other tabs, all the things competing for your attention. So I think there's ways to render it too. So I'm not like against that. That tool actually is called Analog, funny enough. I'm not against Analog. I think it is beautiful. I think it's nice to, to have a little something physical. And to be honest, I do scribble lists like the to-dos on, on the days where I'm a little bit more packed. I don't go to OmniFocus if it's a normal day that I can handle without, you know, OmniFocus is really the the thing I pull in those emergency moments. But if it's something I can just um, kind of handle myself, I do. I do lists all the time. And sometimes they're even like on the back of an envelope or on a piece of paper, like next next to my desk, very often in the rocket book. Um, you know, and the rocket book, I'll also add, is a great thing, I think, for anything that you're using that is not permanent. You know, I think what goes in that storage system should be things that um, are in your organization system. It's things that will last for a lifetime, right? Things That's my criteria. If it's good in, like I mentioned earlier, 10 years, for example, or five years or whatnot, um, if there's a point of it, if I know I'm going to conduct analysis on it, then it goes in my system. But like a to-do list is the type of thing I don't want clutter in, in my systems. It's disposable. It's the kind of thing, that piece of paper that you put in the recycling bin. Well, that's when I'll... I'll put a, a premium there on that rocket book because it's literally stuff it's just like 
a place for me to brainstorm and think things through, right? The outcome is what really matters, not the the process there on that piece of paper. So that that I think uh, covers it and is enough said. But so I, I'll say I, I that is maybe the more unpopular um, point of view. I get that people crave like things they can touch. I am also really in the senses camp. But to me, that's just an extra thing to clutter my desk. I much prefer that that browser extension, for example, gives the same effect, but I don't have the, the, the it doesn't take space. I like having a very clear desk. That's just me. So I'll end by talking about one last thing um, to do with this analog business, um, despite having defended so much, um, you know, some digital solutions. I... I do use a lot of analog things. I have little notebooks. They're tiny, tiny. They, they fit in the palm of a hand. I use them for everything. And I mean everything. If I go out and I do a bit of architectural sketching out there in the sun, or if I, even in my own house, <laughs> I move away from the computer very often because I want to do things, right? I want to be out into the world. Even in my house, I want to be able to roam freely. And I don't always want to have... A screen staring at me so I might be listening to a podcast in the other room and that's and I don't want technology I mean the the phone will be somewhere in the background playing that but I'm really busy doing other things or just you know sitting and enjoying it and I don't want to pick up the the phone and write an entry for something to keep every time I have an idea and so that's why I keep those little journals because they're you know, they're completely disposable. I, I bought a stack. I think they come in a pack of 50, but you, you can pick how many you want. So I'm never concerned that I'm going to run out. There's a, a whole back backup there stack in, in one of my bins there. Um, I, I, I have a great organizational system with bins in, the, in a bookcase and they're all, each bin is like a, a system on its own. It's got its own theme, right? So I'm, I'm very action oriented. If I do a certain type of action, I can go to the bin that corresponds in all the materials is ready for that activity. So uh, other design principle, which I think when, when things are ready to use and they're e easy to store and you don't look for them, I think you're more prone to do creative activities. But anyway, there is a bin where I have these notebooks for, for note-taking and they are completely, you know, unrestricted. They have no themes. You know, it's not like, oh, this is the sketchbook to write and this is the sketchbook to sketch. I'm using sketchbook and notebook you know, the little book. But it's very unstructured. I see each bit as independent. It doesn't really matter what I had as an entry before. It's it's really literally the only function of it is not to organize or like keep track of or, you know, have as memorabilia. They do go to the recycling bin when they're done. I do not keep them. They're just used to jot down ideas or, you know, processes or stuff like that. And then if something sticks, you know, at the end, and this is where I also think you you might want to think differently about things, it's really not ex exactly like we said before in the discernment phase, it is absolutely not to capture absolutely everything that goes through my mind, right? Because that would be a lot of things. Um, I think you have to understand like the value of the ideas you're having. Sometimes writing is just a way to process certain information. And sometimes, you know, you're processing it and it turns out not that important or not that actionable or not that relevant. And I don't really want to keep a record of it. And then at other times is the opposite. You write out something and you're like, huh, I really should store that somewhere. Or I really should book that for myself. Or this is a future idea for someday. 
that's when it goes into some kind of system. And then the capture really differs. If it's really an interesting thought or concept where you drew like, for example, a diagram of something and you want to capture that, then yeah, camera is probably your your best bet, right? Um, if it's just an idea or a task that you want to do, like, oh, I should forget to do this thing, then it might just be an entry for something like OmniFocus for whatever task manager you're using. So, or to-do list if, if you're using to-do. So, the, but these little notebooks are just a way to kind of relax and think and be able to, you know, scribble and brainstorm and jot down things without worrying too much with making sense of things as they, they deploy. And, you know, sometimes no action results and that's totally fine. It's like, it's like a kind of draft paper, right? You're not, it doesn't have to be a finished thing. It doesn't have to have a purpose and you're not concerned about wasting paper. So I think, um, that's, that's a case where I would say analog is really, really helpful because you, I think much more differently in a much more relaxed way, creative way, um, even playful. When I have those little net notebooks around, it's very casual. It's kind of like, oh yeah, this thing, right? It's like an exploration. Whereas when I have the, you know, a tool in my head that I, that is digital, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I feel like it, whatever enter has to be somewhat structured. It's not like the notebook where you doodle, right? Um, it's all of a sudden if you've got if you're entering a piece of data in some kind of formal system like you're already thinking of like how will i tag this how will i organize it how do i write it in a way that will make sense and you know i would never enter for example notes in my note you know in my formal system by just putting a keyword or two but i would do that in a notebook as i'm listening to something i might just put like a, a word or a keyword of something that i'm like huh that's an interesting concept and i just write down one word it would never be good for future consumption. I would fall on this word in, in three years' time, and I would wonder, but what was I thinking? What is this word? What did it mean, right? Um, so it's very bad form. It's not the same use case, again, <laughs> for using it in, in the future than for just writing it down as you're actively making sense of something and actively you know, thinking of possibilities. And whatever those words end up prompting after I've consumed the thing, you know, when, when I put it together and package it and think, okay, well, here's the insight or the idea. That's the thing you want to capture. It's that end result, but absolutely not the whole, like, steps that you took to get there. And I think, again, this this uh, this idea of disposable things, which is why I really like the the Rocket Book products, by the way, it's it's great, right? And and the, the little notebooks I have, same thing. It's you just jot down things and they're really transitionary but they help structure your thinking while you're kind of in that exploration or, or data collection phase, let's say. And it's something that I think is much harder to do. You could do it, right? If you just open some kind of note-taking app on your phone, you could take it. But there's something about the linear and structured nature of things on, on these writing apps, especially the, the minimalistic and everything. It just really encourages you. You could write a stream of conscious, but like really very unlikely that you would be tempted to data. So I think this is where analog really shines. And it's kind of that incubation phase, right? You haven't really decided what this is for. You haven't really made up your mind of something. You're kind of just exploring. You're really not concerned about categorizing it or labeling it or sorting it or how it's going to be used in the future. You're just kind of working things out, right? And you're, you're just kind of jotting down or drawing as a way to work out some kind of problem or some some kind of thing you're you're putting you know the puzzle pieces together in your head 
And that, I think analog is really strong for that. And I, I would encourage, even if you're a high-tech person, for me, you know, those things go together. My system, yeah, it's great. I encode it and I, I make it like that, very structured and very clear for the future because that's the point for me to, to archive something is that it's usable in a usable format as much as possible in the future. But there's a whole other world before an information, you know, reaches that point where it's worth the, the, the formatting effort. And that earlier stage, I mean, you're going to have so much stuff and that, that analog is quicker. It's it, it gives you that sort of intellectual freedom and license. It really changes your experience in a way that uh, makes the output better. So by the time it gets to your system, it's just the very solid things that really should be in there.